Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello and welcome to The North in Numbers, a podcast that gets the human stories behind the stats. I'll be your host, Annie Goke. As a data journalist, I write local news stories based on statistics for regional papers up and down the country. Each fortnight, I'll be looking at the figures that particularly affect the North and speaking to experts and those most affected to get their take on the issues facing our communities. This week, we're taking a look at a tsunami of fly tipping that is sweeping the North. You'll hear from campaigners on why there's been such a huge increase in the illegal dumping of waste and what needs to be done to stem the tide, as well as local residents disgusted with the state of their streets and community groups working to make a difference in their area. Eddie Edwards has been shocked at the amount of fly tipping in his alleyway since moving into his house in Moss Side, Manchester, in 2019. It was unbelievable the amount of trash that was there. Um, you know, just, you know, everything from, you know, what you'd expect, like bin bags, uh, then through to just anything and everything that could be chucked out of a house was just piling up. And it kind of didn't really seem to matter whether the bin men came regularly or if they missed a week, it would just, it would just keep on happening. Like it, it's, con- it's continually getting worse. Um, you know, if, if, no, if, if nobody in the area was reporting fly tipping going on it would just continue to mount up in the streets it's just because people have to be like so diligent and on it that um it stops it well it kind of keeps it at bay a little bit but you know if if um you know in our area there's probably about 10 people um regularly reporting and i'm talking like daily you know fridges uh like oversized bins getting put out um you know cars (laughs) uh you know just just anything getting left out um so yeah, I think if people weren't so on it, it would it would get even worse. But it is it is still getting uh, it is still bad. Um, it's not like yeah, it's incredibly bad. The problem isn't isolated to Moss Side or even Manchester. Across the north and indeed England, incidents of fly tipping have been on the rise for years, with a particular spike seen during the pandemic. The latest figures from the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs reveal nearly 310,000 incidents of fly tipping were recorded by councils across the north in 2020-21, the equivalent of 35 every hour. That's up 15% from fewer than 270,000 reports of illegally dumped rubbish in 2019-20, accelerating a trend that has seen the number climb year on year. Helen Bingham is Director of Communications at Keep Britain Tidy an independent environment charity that has been going since the 1950s. The problem of fly tipping has got worse over the past few years. Um, We noticed it's been a trend over the past decade or so of slowly increasing. What we saw um, at the start of the pandemic was a huge spike in fly tipping. So it went up very, very quickly for a number of reasons for Thinking back to that time, if people can remember, we had a perfect storm. We had quite nice weather, 
if you remember in first lockdown, the sun was shining and it was dry. So people were doing their gardens and they were decluttering their homes and they were doing DIY because there wasn't that else to do and you couldn't go anywhere. Um, at the same time, as obviously local authorities were hit the same way as everybody else was, and their services were very, very stretched. So they had people who were isolating or ill. They were supporting um, the most vulnerable, delivering food and medicines and supporting that. So a lot of the services that help us manage our waste, things like um opening the household waste recycling centres or what we call bulky waste collections but that translated is when you ask the council to come up and pick, pick up a mattress or uh, an old sofa um, all those services stop so they all the, the, the waste recycling centres or tips um, were all closed uh, there were no bulky waste collections and also things like charity shops were all closed so you couldn't get rid of stuff. So everyone was frantically decluttering, uh, but I had nowhere to get rid of stuff. So we did see a spike in fly tipping uh, then. And the latest stats produced by government show that it during that period and for the period for 2021 to uh, 2020 to 2021, um, we had more than 1.1 million fly tipping incidents in England, which is a terrifying number. Worryingly, these figures only include fly tipping on public council-owned land, and so are likely an underestimate when it comes to the true scale of the problem, as John Reid of the campaign group Clean Up Britain explains. The sort of fly tipping that goes on in, in, in private property, on private land, isn't even captured on DEFRA's figures. So their figures of roughly speaking 1.14 million fly tips last year doesn't even include all the stuff that goes on private land. So you see the scale of the problem is... Um, significant and unfortunately i think the, the problem has got worse it probably got worse during lockdown because of all the issues with local refuse tips and recycling centers being closed because of covid stephen besant is councillor for the east marsh ward in northeast lincolnshire he has also noticed a huge increase in fly tipping in his area it started with the pandemic it had uh, people not going out so much so they're just dumping it at the closest possible point I represent one of the most deprived wards in the UK, uh, and it's horrific some uh, weekends. Uh, I go round on my push bike, actually uh, spotting all the fly tipping and get it all reported. And I can report as many as 40, 50, or even 60 lots of fly tipping in a weekend. But the council staff are absolutely brilliant in the fact that they quickly pick it up. But then within days, it's back again. What we're seeing, mate mainly on the pavement or in front of somebody's houses it's about eight black bags of in bin liners as such uh, and it's household waste uh, alleyways are a massive problem in the east marsh i know alleyways with potentially about 20 ton of fly tipping in 20 ton of fly tipping and to be honest in my opinion those alleyways are becoming an health and safety hazard they're also becoming a public health hazard. There's one lady I know really well in Harold Street. She's catching about three or four rats every single week. And it's coming from the alleyway as such. Who would like to live on that lot or live, live next to it? It is absolutely horrendous. 
While there has certainly been a genuine increase in fly tipping, the figures may also reflect that people started noticing illegally dumped waste more during lockdowns. That was the case for Joe Allen, who lives in Salford. My, my general perception of, of cities is that there always is trash everywhere and there, there always are little alleyways where someone's left a, you know, loads of cardboard boxes or a bed or something like that. It just, it just seems to be part of living in city centres. Um, what obviously has changed and might correlate with this sort of increase in fly tipping is obviously we've had COVID. We've had periods of time where, you know, we've been legally allowed outside once a day to go to a park. And, and with that, for me, has come a sort of an expectation and sort of a loss of that apathy before of being like, yeah, of course, the park is a mess. The park's always a mess. Whereas now I go to them and I'm like, this is the best we got, you know, for a few months, this was all we were allowed to do in Manchester. Um, so on those walks, it, it felt like there should be a bit more respect. And you saw, you saw these, you know, burnt bins and burnt trolleys and stuff like that. And, and you, they sort of, they ruined these things. Um, what was like a really nice sunny day in, in one of our few parks uh, in Salford was, was sort of scarred by these things. And it's not just cities that have seen an increase in fly tipping. It's becoming more of a problem in the countryside as well, as Dave Himmelfeld has seen in his area. For him, the increase has been noticeable for some time, not just during the pandemic. I live in a semi-rural area on the Lancashire and West Yorkshire border, which has been blighted by fly tipping. On my actual street, it's not really a problem, but if you walk around the corner or up the hill to somewhere more secluded, you'll see it from time to time. On main routes across the Pennines, which are still fairly quiet, it's a real problem. For example, on the A58 past Blackstone Edge, you'll see tyres, old furniture, building waste and other junk dumped every few hundred metres. Um, the drive from Hebden Bridge to Haworth is one of West Yorkshire's most scenic, but it's been ruined by fly tipping in every lay-by, and it's really upsetting. On a couple of occasions, I've found the remains of cannabis farms. One particularly bad incident was when they dumped a sofa and growing equipment down a waterfall. It has been markedly worse since Cameron and Osborne's policy of austerity saw council budgets slashed, and it's not got any better since. I presume it's because councils have had to cut back on refuse collection and disposal services, less frequent general waste collections, limits on tip visits and charging to get rid of household DIY can't have helped. Not that it excuses fly tipping ever. I asked Helen what she thought was behind the longer term increase in fly tipping seen in recent years. I think some of it is a, a lack of understanding what, what fly tipping actually means. But fly tipping can be anything from um, a sofa left out to a bag of rubbish left by a bin. It isn't, it isn't just big, it's small as well. So anything bigger than a black bin bag is classed as fly tipping. And while the scale of fly tipping can vary, there can also be differences in the perpetrators as well, as John explains. The, the word fly tipping covers a sort of variety of sins, if you like. And at one end of it is the sort of uh, people who've just been doing a di bit of DIY at home, maybe, and just getting, you know, wanting to get rid of the odds. I don't know, it might be an old table or sofa or something like that. Um, and at the other end, we've got serious organised crime. And if you speak particularly to people like, I think, the Metropolitan Police, they'll tell you this is big money now. These organised criminal gangs can earn up to £25,000 a night. 
um, and when they're offloading these huge hail barn like bits of litter in the countryside and uh, it's huge it's big big business really um, I think I've certainly heard it said by one or two police officers it's the third largest form of organized crime uh, fly tipping unfortunately comes in as you've alluded to um, and it comes in many shapes and forms. And I think it's it has increased both in terms of criminal gangs, but also in terms of sort of um, the, the average sort of householder as well, where people are just happy to just junk stuff. It could even be 200 yards from where they live or just around the corner or something like that. Eddie sees both types of fly tipping in his area. It could be a mix. It's a, such a it's, it, it sounds so boring, but it, I do find it quite interesting, the sort of like why people fly tip. So you sort of you can see uh, like some families will send like a, a small child out to take the bins out and they simply can't reach uh, like they can't use the communal bins because they're too big for them. And so they'll just put the bin bags down and then that informs other people. Oh, I can just I can leave my bin bag here. I don't need to lift the bin lid up. And so that's sort of one way that it kind of seems to spread uh, within like, I don't know, uh, local communities. But then, yeah, you've, you've got people that must just turn up in vans and offload. I don't know when they do it because um, I assume it must be at night time. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's wild. Some of the stuff like building supplies and just all like all number of different types of trash get uh, brought out, and they're always massive as well. So they're very difficult to use um, for like to move. Sorry, uh, without having to call up the council and get them to move it, and that can sort of be days, and then it sort of spirals out again with like people dumping stuff on top of it and just yeah causing like a real trash heap. However, Stephen is particularly concerned about criminal gangs. Yeah, this is really worrying me now because I've read up on these criminal gangs over the last uh, few months. Uh, and to be honest, it's becoming more and more prominent. It's easy money for them. It's easy money for them. Dave also thinks the fly tipping scene in his area is predominantly due to dodgy waste disposers. Uh, I suspect it's people getting paid to take someone else's junk to the tip, but pocketing the money and dumping it in the countryside. Helen stressed that it's important to be careful of who you pay to take away waste. There's also been a rise of what we call the Facebook fly tipper, which is, and I see it on my local community group in um, North Manchester, um, uh, looking for someone to get rid of uh, something for me. Um, and someone will jump on and go, I can do it for 20 quid. If it seems cheap and too good to be true, that's because it is, because it's actually illegal to take someone's waste unless you are a waste carrier. And if you give something to someone to get rid of for you, who subsequently flies tips it, you're also breaking the law and can be prosecuted for it. Because we all have, when we're getting rid of our waste, of things we don't want anymore, a duty of care, and people don't understand that. If you've given stuff to a uh, fly, someone who subsequently flight tips it and that can be traced back to you you can be prosecuted fined and have a criminal record for that so the message to everybody is make sure when you give anything to anybody to dispose of that they have a waste carrier license and you get a receipt you have then fulfilled your duty of care Meanwhile, as Stephen has seen in East Marsh, where it is individuals dumping waste rather than criminal gangs or rogue disposers, they might not actually live in the area. We've been told, as ward councillors, it's not always the residents. Landlords actually dump there. Landlords actually dump there as such. So, and there is some good landlords. There's no true question about it. 
It's just the rogue landlords which is spoiling it for everybody. Eddie has seen a similar phenomenon in Moss Side. Very occasionally, especially because it is quite there is quite a lot of students living in the area. Um, when they come to move out, it's like the the landlords just tend to um, chuck out anything that's left and just pile it high. You know, they need to be held accountable for a lot of this stuff. They're like they're coming into the neighbourhood. They're buying a house as a um, buy to let, and then not really taking care of it and so the students kind of move in and maybe don't care of it take care of it as well and then when it comes to chocolate stuff out the guys just chuck it out onto the into the alleyway and don't like you know there's no no real responsibility from them however where it is local residents dumping their household waste this may be because there are barriers to them disposing of it properly as helen explains there are barriers yes i mean if if you are um if you don't have your own transport that can be a challenge because, you know, the obvious, the obvious and easiest way to get rid of things that you don't want is to take them to the Household Waste Recycling Centre. If you don't have a car and the, 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 the centre is 25 miles away, which they can be um, within a borough, then that's a barrier. So, and then also um, cultural barriers. So in some communities, it might be okay to leave stuff out to share almost by putting stuff out um we have um particularly amongst um in student populations that lack of um feeling connected to the place they live because they're only there they're what we call a transient population so they're not there for very long um, so they might not feel that connection, that sense of belonging, um, or indeed know what to do with the stuff at the end of the academic year when you've got all this stuff. Stephen sees some of these barriers in his ward. Uh, not many people in East Marsh or other deprived areas have access to a car. Not all people have access to a car, so they can't go down to the community tip, tip and take it away there. The other thing what's had a great impact, in my opinion, on fly tipping, and other councillors would tell you this, was the abandonment of weekly bin collections. Now, on fortnightly bin collections, some councils have moved to three weekly collections or even four weekly collections, and that is having a big impact as well. It's a big barrier, that. These difficulties mean that some people, like Joe, are fairly magnanimous when it comes to the people who fly tip. Yeah, I don't blame anyone in particular. I, I think... The majority of it is probably there because there's some barrier to getting rid of it in a normal way. You know, I live in an apartment in the city centre. We have 30 huge skips um, in each of the blocks. It's, it's very easy to sort of, you know, when people here want to throw away furniture, we have places to do it. And I, I know that most of the area around me isn't those big apartments. So I can totally understand why you might not want to pay or organise with the council to come get a big bed picked up and you can just dump it somewhere. I like to think a lot of the cases of fly tipping are from sort of a place of more desperation, right? Where it's it's awkward and difficult to maybe get a skip dropped off where you live um, or something like that. You know, I, I like to think people aren't just not, not trying to do that bit. 
However, John of Clean Up Britain is far less forgiving. Let's not make excuses. That's the last thing our campaign's about. There are 20 million people in Britain who admit to dropping litter, and there are no doubt tens of thousands who fly tip as well. And that is the problem. And there's only one solution to it. There's only one solution, and that is that we have to change the attitudes and behaviour of those people who see fit to essentially pollute and desecrate our country. I think there's just unfortunately a small percentage of society, um, and this is not the sort of thing that you'll hear politicians say for obvious reasons, but let's say it because I think it's the truth. There are, there we have a small section of people in this country who are intrinsically antisocial, don't care about anything else except themselves, and are quite happy to act in an antisocial way, not just in terms of litter and fly tipping, but many other things besides. And therefore, they don't think twice about it. And unfortunately, I think we've got to, we've actually got to really take that on board. That's what we're dealing with as well. Regardless of why people are fly tipping, or whose fault it is, this illegal dumping of waste has a huge economic impact. Last year, councils in the north spent £3.6 million just on clearing instances of large-scale fly tipping alone, which only accounts for a fraction of the overall cost. And it's taxpayers who are picking up that cost, as Helen at Keep Britain Tidy explains. We all pay the price of fly tipping. If we pay council tax, we're paying for that through our council tax. Uh, tens of million, millions of pounds a year um, local authorities are spending clearing up the rubbish that people are just abandoning. So it isn't without out of financial cost and the financial cost is significant. John also highlights the financial cost of fly tipping. Fly tipping uh, costs huge amounts of money to clean up. Litter costs huge amounts of money to clean up. And you and your listeners don't need me to tell you we're living through very stricken financial times at the moment what we don't need to be doing as a nation is just wasting money um, because you know this is not when people clear up litter um, you know this is a self-inflicted problem really that British society has imposed on itself and it's a waste of money it's money that could be far better spent on old age provision meals on wheels crashes, whatever, you know, productive things in society rather than picking up litter, which is the easiest thing in the world not to do. However, the costs of fly tipping go far beyond the financial. There is a cost to our environment as well, whether it's um, people dumping uh, chemicals, uh, DIY rubble and waste, um, things that can uh, harm wildlife, anything that can leach into watercourses obviously then ends up in ultimately in the oceans. And we've all seen what's happening in our oceans, the kind of plastic soup that we're creating in the oceans. Um, so there is an environmental cost. You literally can't find anything positive about it. It looks terrible. It looks awful. It pollutes the countryside. And although it virtually rains every single day in this country, slight exaggeration, but not far off it. Um, you know, it's a beautiful country. And you really have to question, we have to question our sanity that we're, we destroy our own environment. While he's fairly understanding about the reasons people fly tip, Joe does think it's having a negative impact on his area. It just sort of makes me think like, oh, we've kind of ruined this, you know, like we have a nice, we have some areas around here that sort of marked as like culturally significant or, uh, you know, park spaces, green spaces for people. And you sort of, you know, you go there and, and everybody there is kind of there to enjoy it. You know, they're all there to run or to walk their dogs or to like play with their kids and stuff. Um, and I just sort of I didn't really see those spaces like that um, anymore. You know, I, I remember when I was younger, like going to these places and not not wearing shoes, you know, and like running around in these fields. 
And now I think like if I had a kid, like they they can't take their shoes off. Um, and that's like, it's such a small thing, but it's just like, you know, something I was able to do that I would probably never let my kids do just because I know what's in, you know, I know the number of times I've seen like a smashed glass bottle just in the middle of some field or, or whatever else is there. So yeah, it, it kind of feels like we've like in a one way direction sort of ruined some of these things for ourselves and it's sad. It makes me feel very sad. Helen and John both emphasise this effect on communities as one of the many negative impacts of fly tipping. There is a social cost as well because if an area is fly tipped and what we find with any form of litter or fly tipping, one, one piece or one item will lead to more. So if somebody leaves one thing, then somebody else will leave another thing. And very quickly, you will see an environment degrade. And no one wants to live somewhere that looks dirty and uncared for. It can increase increases the fear of, cli- of crime. It can uh, have an impact on property prices uh, or business investment because a business doesn't want to invest somewhere where they don't want their uh, customers or visitors going to because it doesn't look particularly nice you know yourself you don't want to go somewhere that 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 feels like nobody cares about it so the 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 costs of fly tipping are huge but also I think it just sets a very bad precedent because it looks like people don't care about their communities and that in itself, you probably know about the broken windows syndrome in New York and that whole issue of small scale crime escalating up the crime ladder. So it starts off with litter and then it goes to uh, graffiti and then broken windows, etc. And it can become much more serious crime. So in effect, it's sort of uh, an opening a doorway to a possible, you know, more serious criminal activity within society because people think well nobody seems to care why should i stephen has seen these side effects of fly tipping firsthand in east marsh yeah it all accumulates and it all attracts other things it does so when you get a filthy street with litter it attracts fly tipping i I describe it like a cancer if you get what i mean a cancer grows and grows and grows uh, unless you control it and this is what's happening with fly tipping etc we're seeing uh lowering of uh, pride within the area there's no two question about that people are literally fed up they are uh, they just want it to end the the good honest decent po- people of the area and that and at the way i describe these marsh 99.5 percent of the residents are good honest people they don't fly tip it's just that very small percentage, and they're the persistent ones they are. So it's having a huge impact on their life. A lot of residents have said they've had enough. They've had enough. They're moving out the area they are, or they're moving to a different part of the world uh, where there isn't so much fly tipping. So it's just crazy. Environment Minister Joe Churchill unveiled a crackdown on waste criminals earlier this year as part of plans to reform the waste industry. The plans will see increased background checks for firms who move or trade waste and the introduction of mandatory digital waste tracking, as well as making it easier for regulators across the UK to take action against rogue operators. Joe Churchill said, Waste criminals show complete disregard for our communities, the environment and the taxpayer. We've disrupted these rogue operators by giving extra powers to the Environment Agency, with nearly 1,000 illegal waste sites now being shut down each year. 
while our new joint unit for waste crime is successfully disrupting criminal gangs. For example, prosecuting fly tippers illegally dumping hundreds of tonnes of hazardous waste across the countryside. But there is more to do. Reforming the licensing system will clamp down on abuse of the system and new mandatory digital waste tracking will greatly improve transparency in the sector and make it easier for households to check that their waste is being disposed of legally. Together, these reforms will stop criminals abusing the waste system and make it easier to prosecute offenders successfully. I asked John what he thought about the plans. I think they are a step in the right direction. Um, uh, but there are a lot more steps that need to be taken and there needs to be greater emphasis. I mean, what the government's announced is to be welcomed. Yeah, um, let's see what the, the devil's always in the detail. Let's see, the civil service has a very good knack of announcing things, but not such a good knack of implementing them in a very effective way. So let's see what the implementation is behind it. But uh, I, I welcome it, I won't criticize it, but the jury's out to see what effects it does have. And still we haven't got, and they still haven't got into the issue of realizing that most people's behavior is heavily influenced by punishment and fines, which is why the British state gives out a lot of fines to people for parking, for instance, and why people take those, you know, are, are concerned about it because they don't want to be fined. Uh, so, in short, yes, moving in the right direction, but I don't think we're going to see a transformational change as a result of that. But I mean, let's give credit where credit's due. Dave has also welcomed some further measures being taken to tackle the problem. I'm pleased the government is looking at ways to scrap charges for disposing of household waste, household DIY waste. I'm pleased to read councils will be getting grants for CCTV and artificial intelligence to catch fly tippers. I would like to see more prosecutions because at the moment these selfish, immoral idiots know they can merrily dump their waste and ruin our countryside without any consequence. Stephen also agrees that prosecution and fines are the best way to deal with fly tipping and he's grateful that the council has been able to take some action in East Marsh. They now know... The culprits, they now know the culprits who's fly tipping. Uh, and it's thanks to our pushing it is of officers to get them to take some action on it. Uh, uh, and to be honest, they've actually issued community protection warnings and actual penalty fines they have against some of these residents. And they deserve it. It's got to stop. People have got to be made to stop the have. And the best way, in my opinion, is hitting them in the pocket. Unfortunately, it's unusual that fly tippers actually get caught and punished. In most cases, they get away with the crime, as John explains. We need to change the attitudes and behaviour of those people, and where we don't, we need to seriously fine them. And that is a big problem in Britain, because the enforcement regime is basically non-existent. Unfortunately, the whole deterrent system in this country, the enforcement, fines, just doesn't work. The whole system is broken. Eddie has come up against this issue when reporting fly tipping in his area. So it's pretty hard for them to actually do anything about it, even though there's sort of signs everywhere saying, you know, we uh, find hundreds of pounds if you fly tip in this area. It's just, it's kind of, it's not true. And his experience is the norm. In the North, councils took action of any kind, be it conducting an investigation, sending out warning letters, doling out fines, or prosecuting someone on around 135,000 occasions in 2020 21. That was down from more than 160,000 actions in 2019-20, despite the increase in incidents. It means that in more than half of cases, fly tippers in the region got away with it completely, assuming that one action relates to a single incident. 
The number of people actually prosecuted fell from around 1,100 cases in 2019-20 to just over 350 last year, with around 290 of those found guilty fined in court. It means councils were only able to collect less than £104,000 in court fines in 2020-21. There were also around 9,400 fixed penalty notices handed out, again down from 18,400, and fewer than 2,100 were subsequently paid. The amount of money collected through FPNs is unavailable, but the overall amount received by councils in fines will only be a fraction of what it costs to clear up the waste that was dumped. As John explains, a big part of the issue is catching fly tippers in the first place. Yeah, look, it's it's not easy. You have to be able to catch people. They have to catch people red-handed. And really what that means is that some enforcement officer almost has to be sort of in the bush or very nearby or, you know, just happen to be... <laughs> at the end of the road themselves when when people are getting their white van and unloading loads of stuff down a down a little lane or more likely they're caught on cctv and that's unfortunately we need more of that really cctv cameras that are regularly reviewed and can catch people in the act and and you know those prosecutions can go ahead on that basis as long as people are actually caught in the act you can see their registration plate you can see them doing it there's plenty of examples of it but yeah there are issues and you're right to to allude to that it's not always easy but so it is it is a problem um and really it's best solved i think with yeah cctv cameras which Many people will not like, they'll think it's Big Brother, 1984, you know, the state snooping on people. But we have to deal with this issue because it's so costly. Stephen is also keen for more CCTV to tackle the problem in his area. I would like to see a lot more CCTV. We are un- upgrading our CCTV uh, system in uh, North East Links, but it's not going to be down every single street, unfortunately it's not. But I would definitely like to see more CCTV, more than we're actually being promised. However, as Helen explains, the challenges with enforcement go beyond simply catching the perpetrators. The, the prosecutions and the fines are already there. I mean, you know, councils have the ability to crush vehicles, um, fine up to £50,000 and, and jail people. The fines are there. The, 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 the punishments are there. The challenge is... Um, catching people and if and and when when they are caught one of the difficulties for local authorities in prosecuting is that it's very expensive to take people to court and prosecute them and i think it's about 95 percent of the fines that are issued for fly tipping in magistrates courts are less than a thousand pounds when the costs of dealing with fly tipping are tens of millions of pounds so there's a lack of understanding. I think I think fly t- tipping is possibly viewed as a victimless crime or you know not particularly serious crime, unless it's the the you know toxic chemical waste, which is a whole different ball game, which is which is um, something that the environment agency deals with. But for for kind of your more day to day householder waste fly tipping, I think it's seen and viewed perhaps by the courts as not that serious. And um, that's that's something the message needs to be got across to um, the legal system that this is, it has a, an environmental cost and a financial cost to society. And that those that are being prosecuted need to be prosecuted with, with fines that act as a deterrent rather than a, a token 
John would also like to see more significant fines handed out by courts as a deterrent. Our view about the fining is uh, is that there is we need to see some high profile examples of people who've been seriously fined. And here, actually, I would give to, uh, credit to government because um, if a council took somebody to a magistrate's court, they could, in theory, have a £50,000 fine imposed on them. Or they could even be sent to jail for 12 months. But in reality, this virtually never, ever, ever, ever happens. So in other words, what you might say here is that the judiciary, the legal system, is not imposing serious enough pe uh, penalties and sentences on people, despite the fact that their ability to do so exists. The government have given them the power and legislation to do that. But of course, it's up to judges, it's up to people in magistrates' courts who are sitting to, to give out these fines. I mean, there were a couple of examples only recently of two guys uh, who were perennial fly tippers and, and they were caught. Uh, one of them got a £700 fine, the other got a £300 fine. Now, this is just, uh, you know, it's just totally inadequate. And one of the things we want to see at Clean Up Britain is a minimum, minimum fine for anyone caught fly tipping, and that is £5,000. So we'd like to see the government enforce that and bring that into play. Um, and actually for one or two people to be even be sent to prison for who are, you know, just repetitive fly tippers. And, and that's the only thing many of these people will take notice of when they start thinking, oh, gosh, the, the sort of cost benefit analysis here is quite tricky now, because if I get caught, I'm, I'm looking at a minimum 5,000, if not a 50,000 quid fine. If I get caught a couple of times, I might even go to jail. You know, so in other words, that has to be a serious proposition. Whereas in the minds of most people at the moment, it's just a fantasy. They don't even think about it. It's not factored in. Where cases are successful, Helen would then like the public to be made aware of these consequences. And then publicising when people are prosecuted, you know, pro promoting and... and sharing that so that the, there's an awareness amongst communities that you can be caught and but you can be prosecuted um, because there is a general lack of understanding um, amongst the public, public. And we, we've done research on this, which shows that people don't really understand what their, their role and responsibilities are. Um, I mean, no one wants to be prosecuted and, and it, it is a criminal offence, it's not civil. So if you're prosecuted for breach of duty of care, you get a criminal record, which we all know that that has implications on employment. Um, you, you know, it is, it is serious and we do need the public to understand that. However, as well as larger fines and more publicity, Stephen wants it to be easier for councils to prosecute in the first place. Yeah, larger fines is a great deterrent it is, but to streamline the process, what councils have to go to to get somebody to court is a long-winded process. That sort of streamlining needs to come in immediately, more or less, and as much help as councils to tackle this issue. It's not going to go away. Councils need more resources to do. They need a lot more money, and if they don't do that, it's never going to go away. Helen would also like to see more resources for councils to tackle the problem, and not just when it comes to prosecuting people. One of the things that Keep Britain Tidy is calling for is for local authorities to get more resource to help deal with this problem, because we all know, you know, it's been the story of the past decade or so that local authorities are incredibly strapped for cash. Um, and therefore, to provide an affordable, accessible service that everyone can use 
is very challenging. So what we call on government to do is to use the proceeds of the landfill tax to ring fence it and give it back to local authorities um, to enable them to provide better services for the public. Stephen also thinks that his council could be doing more to address barriers to proper waste disposal, which can lead to fly tipping. We need to be getting to grips with it. We need to be getting residents on the side. In actual fact, we want to be bringing schemes which encourage people to actually take the fly tipping to locations in rather than being sort of have barriers in the place all the time. We used to have what they call a skip it event, and it hasn't taken place for well over a year where they've had these skip it days we used to put skips down and on on occasions we've taken away 30 ton of waste 30 ton of waste in a day so those sort of schemes want to make it a lot easier for residents to actually dispose of their waste in a sensible and efficient way however it's not just councils and government who have a responsibility to tackle fly tipping as helen explains there's also a role for people who sell this stuff. So, you know yourself, if you order a new a new sofa, you have a great big sofa in your house. You don't have room to have two sofas in that room, so you have to get the other one out. What we'd like to see is manufacturers and retailers having a role to play, so taking away the old when they bring a new. Because what the, the kind of flip side of this is that that we're creating more and more waste in society we have a much more of a throwaway society so we might change our color scheme and decide no that sofa is no good anymore it's a perfectly good sofa but it doesn't fit in with my new color scheme so i'm going to get a new one and that one's going out does it really have to go to the tip could it be recycled could you give it to um a furniture network or one of the charities that takes and recycles and reuses um, uh, old furniture. So what you don't want so it might be incredibly valuable to somebody else. So explore other ways of disposing of things that mean they don't end up being flight-tipped. Stephen agrees. I think what we've got to do is get away from this throwaway society, which is actually generating more and more fly tipping big cardboard boxes you name it whatever they're being dumped everywhere they are so we need to get away from this and to be honest it's not just a council issue in my opinion it's a business issue in the fact that they've created this throwaway society as such and it's absolutely crazy crazy uh, a lot of the stuff in actual fact uh, what i see out there tables chairs you name it whatever can be recycled upcycled or whatever it needs a drastic rethink from not just the councils from government everybody how we go go overcome this major problem so it is about changing our perception and changing our attitude to to consumption so that 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 less stuff is is considered to be waste and therefore less stuff is fly tipped because ultimately it's a failing of our society that, that, that we're just throwing stuff on the street and expecting it to be someone, someone else to deal with it. One of the ways we as individuals can help when it comes to fly tipping, aside from not doing it in the first place, is by reporting instances to councils so that they can clear it up. It's something Joe has been doing more and more since the start of the pandemic. You sort of start to hope 
somebody must have seen this, right? That's what, what I think when I say like, somebody must know this is here. And I think like, does the council know this is here? Is someone gonna pick this up? I don't wanna pick this up or now it's too big for me to personally pick it up. Um, and then it's it was very easy, again, years ago, it was very easy to look at that and go like, well, somebody else must be aware of this. Um, and increasingly over COVID I've gone, you know, it's been much more common to sort of take the same walk over and over again every day or go for the same run route every day. Um, and you sort of notice that these things, they don't, they don't clean themselves up. Uh, somebody has to report them to the council for them to be made aware of, basically. And then once they are reported, they tend to be cleaned up in like three or four days. That being said, he also thinks that councils could make it easier for people to report these issues. I've had a lot of conversations with, with similar people in the area that are sort of doing a lot of work they shouldn't have to do. They're reporting a lot of things. Um, but there's no unifying system. So you can't tell if one thing has been reported 10 times or zero times. And it's not a particularly easy thing to do as well. You have to go on the websites, you have to be kind of tech savvy to do it, or you have to call someone up. So there's sort of lots of barriers to doing something that you would hope is just sort of a sort of finger pointing exercise and say, here's the trash. Can someone more capable than me come tidy it up and put it somewhere else? They do clean it up. They do clean it up quite quick. Um, I just wish we didn't have to clean it up. That's pretty much my view. Another thing individuals can do is become involved with a campaign group or charity. John has seen membership of Clean Up Britain grow steadily since first launching in 2010. We've got lots of people involved now, and that's because so many in this country, so many people care passionately uh, about trying to clean up Britain because unfortunately we have an epidemic of litter and fly tipping. So it really has a very soul destroying effect on many people. And I think Annie, that's one of the reasons why you see so many litter picking groups, thousands of them all over the country, because they're trying to keep their little part of Britain clean. Stephen is involved in just such a litter picking group in his area. We as a Local team, we regularly go out street, uh, sweeping the streets, litter picking, you name it. We've cleared alleyways in the past we have uh, and that. There's many many, many residents who actually see out at the weekend uh, picking up litter as such. So residents are generally responsible, they are. It's just that odd one or two percent at the very, very most who, who are irresponsible. We all need to be responsible. We all need to be responsible for keeping our area clear. There's plenty of litter bins out there. Nobody should be dropping litter. Nobody should be dropping litter. Joe also takes part in litter picking in Salford and feels the benefits go beyond keeping the streets clean. There's a lot of areas here with a lot of people, but not much community, not much to do um, other than walk into Manchester and, and work, basically. Um, so I, I think this is a really, a really nice thing to give these communities something to rally around and especially over covid where you know you weren't allowed to do stuff indoors you weren't allowed to go to restaurants eddie also picks litter with a group of neighbors in moss side so it sort of goes between you know on a bad day when it's raining there'll be you know maybe four or five of us and then when it's a really nice sunny day and everybody's up for it you know 15 16 17 people out um picking up litter uh, and i think when sort of over it started i guess yeah around well, after lock after the first lockdown, so summer 2020, um, and I think in 2021 we picked up just over 400 bags of litter throughout the year. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of grown a bit, and it's it's nice. It's a nice way to go out and like meet meet your neighbours as well. You know, you just got to hope that somebody will see. You know, if it, even if it's just one person in one street, kind of seeing that people care 
and deciding to take home, you know, that bag of McDonald's or whatever um, and put it in the bin, then you just, yeah, you just got to hope that it'll um, just slowly but surely kind of chip away at that idea of like, oh, nobody cares around here. So we'll just leave, like, you know, I'll just chuck it on the street. Meanwhile, litter picking is part of the work Keep Britain Tidy do as a charity. And Helen believes it can make a big difference. I think where they can, where the work of our volunteers makes a difference is by showing a community that people do care and are willing to take action. And when, when an environment is cared for, then there's less chance of that being negatively impacted by fly tipping and by littering. The organised groups that we work with and some of the project work we do, those groups will clear fly tipping. They'll pull shopping trolleys out of canals. They'll clear... Um, you know massive um like discarded um fishing nets and things like that from beaches they'll 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 remove broken body boards from beaches in the summer when thousands of them just get abandoned because they're cheap and they break you know it's all fly tipping just leaving stuff like that um so yes volunteers can and do make a huge difference and we're incredibly proud of our volunteers and we've got some brilliant ones across the north of england However, Dave doesn't think that litter picking is necessarily the answer to the problem. If community groups want to go out litter picking, that's great. It is their responsibility as well as the councils. However, I'd say it's more for the government, councils and police to enforce it though. And ultimately, attitudes towards littering, fly tipping and our environment in general have to change. John also points out that it is technically the responsibility of councils to be clearing this waste, rather than local residents. Every single council in this country Every single council has a statutory responsibility to ensure that their land is kept clear of litter and fly tipping. And, and that, that's the exact wording in the 1990 Environmental Protection Act. Um, and, you know, it's not a sort of uh, added extra or optional extra. It's something that is one of their statutory responsibilities. But unfortunately, many of them just don't do it. I, I fear what's happening in some areas of the country now, that, that local authorities realise that, you know, there are such active litter pickers, litter picking groups that they can almost scale down the amount of litter picking that they do and pay for themselves because it's done freely by the citizens, the residents of that area. Now, that might be a little bit cynical, but I, I, I suspect and have heard one or two utterances to that effect. Well, Joe is happy to do his bit by litter picking. He agrees that really council should be doing more. I'm, I'm kind of split on this and I, I, I've, I've had discussions with people where they go like, you know, aren't you aren't you proud of the sort of Salford street champions and all the people that pick up the litter and stuff like that? And I kind of see it, personally, I see it as a bit of a failure. And it, it's it's sort of, you know, some charities emerge to sort of represent failures of the council. So when charities sort of arise to say like, let's all, you know, let's all care about the streets we live in and let's tidy up and push for volunteers, you're kind of, I, like arguably that's what you should be paying your council tax for and and your street should be clean sort of by default. Um, and that's nothing against all the volunteers that do this and myself that does this as well. Um, you know, it's, it's people, you know, saying what they are passionate about, what they think their area deserves. And, and that's just a little bit higher than the litter fitting that the council provides can manage right now. And it's also an impossible problem anyway, you know, until people stop littering, it's never going away. John is also of the opinion that litter picking will not help solve fly tipping in the long term. Look, I mean, if, if they didn't pick it up, it'd probably never get picked up. 
well, certainly not as often. And many, many little country lanes in particular, and maybe fields and parks and avenues, you know, that these are kept clean by local volunteers. And it's an incredibly socially responsible thing to do. And I may be a bit controversial here, actually, and I don't mean to be um, critical, but we are the Clean Up Britain campaign uh, recognises the, the, the value of the work that these hundreds of thousands of people do throughout Britain. But at the same time, we, our view is very much that there is only one sustainable, one sustainable solution to the sort of litter and fly tipping epidemic in Britain. And that's the, we, it's behavioural change. You've got to stop people doing it. Um, litter picking is a little bit like trying to mop up while the taps are still running. You'll be doing it forever. You'll be doing it forever and ever, unfortunately. Eddie agrees that litter picking can feel like a thankless task, but still thinks it's worth doing. It's, it's super depressing. It's just, it can feel that you feel a bit like Sisyphus at times, just uh, trying to, um, you know, push the boulder back up the hill. You know, you'll clear one street and then, you know, like 20 minutes later, it'll just be covered in trash again. And then like, you know, I, yeah, I, it's, it's something that infuriates me. And um, I know that in, like, it winds other people up in the neighbourhood as well. In an ideal world, uh, yeah, it would, be, um, it would be the councils that would be doing it. Um, you sort of, you feel like a lot of that is what you're paying your council tax for. But, you know, it's not an ideal world. Um, and, uh, you know, there are, there are a lot of people on the street, many hands make light work. And so... Uh, you know, it can it can be a negative, but it can also be a positive. You know, it can be something that can bring people together and get them to uh, work together and talk. And you know, you can go from not knowing your neighbour uh, to being friends with your neighbour and being able to rely on them. Um, so I, th- I think it can be a positive. As well as picking litter, Eddie has also been in the process of greening his alleyway, filling it with plants to dissuade people from fly tipping and often repurposing illegally dumped items to do so. Um, so yeah, so started uh, quite small, just sort of putting out, you know, the odd plant pot here and there. Um, and then I've just kind of grown it a little bit, uh, no pun intended, but um, so just uh, a lot of it, a lot of the time it's finding things like um uh, washing machine drums or baths, uh, old recycling bins, uh, tires, chests of drawers, things like that. Just anything that can be um, appropriated into a planter um, that you can just, you know, put some liner in, fill with, like, well, put some holes in, fill, fill with liner, fill with soil, compost, um, and then plant something in and put it out in the alley. It's something that I enjoy doing. Like I don't mind walking down, you know, sort of uh, different lanes and, um, you know, peering down alleys that are sort of disused and finding things that have been dumped. The difference between before I'd started planting stuff and the difference now is, is wild. You know, the, like, the, as I was saying before, you know, the, like the piles of rubbish that were there were just constant. Green in the alley has helped so much um, put people off. I think it's just, yeah, that idea that, oh, somebody cares about this I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna dump stuff here it's not true all the time but I I think for maybe 70% of the time that is true like I'd absolutely um uh, recommend that anybody does it you know if 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 not just for your own sort of well-being like it's 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 really nice it's a it's a lovely way to sort of um spend a few hours a week uh you know so you know as I've said tidying away other people's rubbish not so great but you know putting something out into into the alley for other people to enjoy is brilliant um and it's, it's really lovely sort of occasionally seeing or almost catching people walking down the alley and admiring what's going on um and chatting to them about it. it's really fun 
however you decide to help with fly tipping. Whether that's simply not doing it, reporting incidents to your council, taking part in litter picking, or perhaps adding greenery to shared spaces. The important thing is we all do our part. This problem isn't going to go away until we all make a change, as Helen sums up. I think it's everybody's responsibility. I don't think we can put the responsibility on any one group of people. It's individual's responsibility, it's community's responsibility, it's local government's responsibility and it's business's responsibility because none of those groups alone can solve the problem. Local authorities can clear litter and fly tipping until the cows come home. You know, they could spend all day, every day, clearing litter and fly tipping from our streets, from parks, from you know, derelict areas from the countryside. If we don't change our behaviour as individuals, then they'll just have to keep doing that for time immemorial. Thank you for listening to another episode of The North in Numbers, written and hosted by me, Annie Goak, and produced by Dan McLaughlin. Thank you so much to all my guests for speaking with me about the scourge of fly tipping in their area and across the North. This is the final episode of the series, as I'm now off to go and have a baby. I'll be back with more episodes once I'm back from maternity leave. See you then.